What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 220 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, April 3rd, 2021. We've been absent for a little while. Shit's been busy, per usual. You guys are... Schedules just aren't matching up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys are used to, like, the spotty release dates with this podcast every now and then, but my feeling is, is that you have more than 200 episodes to, like, hold you down, so, and I mean, these cases are timeless, as is our podcast, so you can just go and listen to some of the older ones until we put out a new one, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world. But anyway, I'm here with my co-host, Mike, I am Josh. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing fine. Doing pretty good. Um, I took some advice from a friend of mine on Facebook uh, in terms of uh, taking some vitamins. So I've been taking vitamin C for the past uh, couple weeks, and it's been helping a lot uh, in a lot of different ways. So, oh, Mike is just uh, Mike is just issues. rubbing it in my face right now that I just woke up from a nap and I'm feeling low energy and groggy. So he's bragging about his his uh, fucking. <laughs> His his warehouse full of energy he's got over there. Um, I also do have a little bit of caffeine also flowing through my system, so there's that too. I am um, currently nursing a monster energy drink. I'm hoping that by the midpoint of this, episode, you know, those never like kick in like when you want it to, like, and then they kick in when you're like ready to go to sleep or or some. At least that sometimes happens with soda with me. Like I'm like, okay, all right, come on, Mountain Dew. I need the <laughs> caffeine right now. And then like, okay, I made it through this movie. I wasn't a fan of it. Time to go to bed. Nope. <laughs> now you're all hopped up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Yeehaw. Uh, but anyway, you're, you're, uh, um, you're ca- I mean, I guess that would depend on your caffeine tolerance because I, I, I think mine's getting yeah. pretty fucking high uh, yeah. because these monsters are getting to where uh, it's become like any other drug where like at first it gives you a high. But then if you just keep doing uh-huh. it, it just makes you, you you start getting withdrawals. And then when you drink it, you don't get a high anymore. It just makes you feel normal. Like that's yeah. kind of how it is with these. It's yeah. like uh, yeah. not getting that energy rush that uh i remember the first time i ever drank a red bull i was in like like eighth grade or something and i remember drinking it and well, I got... you're also in eighth grade so you're younger yeah but i just remember that, getting this like too. this fucking buzz this rush it only lasted for like 30 minutes but still it was like wow this is cool let's go out and do some crank now um <laughs> Yeah, you were like, is this what cocaine feels yeah. like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a gateway drug, a Red Bull. Um, some people, though, with you know, some kids with energy drinks, man, it's getting kind of scary. I mean, with the heart uh, issues and all of that. and I think that's, doing the I think that's for those dummies that and, uh, the Darwin Award kids who drink like a shit ton of them at a time. Yeah, like, you're not supposed to fucking no. do that. You're not supposed to do that with really anything. I mean, yes, you can You can definitely... But it d- also does seem like there, there's all different types of energy drinks now. And a lot of them have different levels of caffeine. So uh, some have less than others. And, and a lot of them have this really nasty shit in them that you probably shouldn't be continually putting into your body. But the same thing is for soda, too. So it's not really... Like it's that much different, 
It's just some energy drinks have more uh, caffeine. So you have bang energy now. God, that's so popular and, over here in, in uh, Florida. I don't know about... It's just bang! <laughs> I don't know about anywhere else in the United States, but God, everyone's drinking California, this. yeah, it's, it's pretty popular. Bang has become one of the more popular uh, brands. A big part of it is because uh, the branding. Like, there's all these TikToks and all this other stuff that's sponsored by Bang. Dude, I'm so fucking tired of TikTok being, like... I I feel like every article I read now, it makes it seem like TikTok's becoming more and more of, like, the authority on, like, like new trends. What's trending. Yeah, Yeah. and, and like, breaking news and this, that, and the other. And it's just, like, it's, like, this this web this app literally started out with a bunch of white girls like twerking in their booty shorts being cringy as fuck and now all of a sudden it's like making musicians careers and all this other kind of stuff Josh, you're a boomer <laughs> yeah i know old man yells at cloud i just i, I, just, I don't know I, I hate i hate it i really do and of all the social media platforms that have been out tiktok all those dang kids in their tick talk <laughs> i mean i thought twitter was fucking bad but at least twitter is like quiet and peaceful like as soon as i open the app on tiktok it's like loud hip-hop or loud yelling or some video that automatically plays and it's just like i don't know i'm not well a fan. i think it's a natural progression for a lot of uh lower detention spans yeah that's true in a lot of ways, it's a continuation of Vine. You know, that was a big thing. And then it went under and then Musical.ly came into play. And there was a lot of cringe on that platform. And then Musical.ly morphed into TikTok. And it's taking over. Man, they strong armed like their way into the industry. Because I remember I remember seeing ads for TikTok before it became before it really like kind of came out. Um I remember seeing ads for that everywhere, like on dating apps, on Facebook, on YouTube, and it was like, you couldn't get away from it. I mean, of course it was going to blow up because they threw millions of dollars. That's the thing, man. It's like, if only well, I had a million dollars. that doesn't mean anything. I mean, Quibi was uh, promoted incessantly, uh, and there was millions of dollars that was put into it, and Quibi was a massive failure. Yeah, well, that was a stupid like, idea Most to begin people with. probably listening to... This podcast are probably like what, <laughs> you know, like what is Quibi? Like most, a lot of people still are like that, and that was like last year, if I remember correctly, that that um, platform dropped. Well, Quibi was trying to compete with like streaming services. TikTok is yeah. like social media, so it pre- it feeds on people's narcissism. I think so. That's why that's yeah. done so much better than Quibi because Quibi was like. It was just the dumbest idea in the world that, like, why I don't even understand. Like, let's have shows that are 10 minutes long and uh, you can only watch them on your phone. Yeah, because, you know, like, if you're watching Netflix on your phone and you're watching a show that's 30 minutes long, it's just such a hassle to put it on pause and then watch it later. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh no, I have to watch the whole thing right now. I don't know, it's stupid. Anyway, um, me and Mike are going to develop an app and it's just going to be... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be an app where it's like a social media platform, but uh, you can only complain and bitch about stuff that 
is going on in the world. Any anything that's not bitchy will be deleted. I don't know what we'll call it yet. Isn't that pretty much what Twitter and other social media platforms already yeah, are? Yeah, fair enough. I guess, I guess Twitter is already kind of doing that. <laughs> yeah, they have kind of the jump on that. Whatever. Um, this podcast is about Unsolved Mysteries, and we will be covering some classic Unsolved Mysteries tonight. Tonight on Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. <laughs> this, uh, These two cases were direct results of our Patreon um, someone recommended us to cover them, and so here we are. And they're good cases too, so I'm not Thank even you. I'm not even upset about it. And if you want to be a part of the show in that regard, you can go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/UncoveringUnexplainedMysteries, and for five dollars a month, you can throw these suggestions out there, and we'll fucking get around to them eventually. Don't ask Robin from Australia how long it took got us to uh, took us to get to Snowtown. But we did. We did eventually. And I'm glad we did because I really enjoyed that movie. Mike didn't like it so much. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll cover whatever, whatever you want. And uh, this person picked the cases of Dan Wilson and the Gits, Mia Zapata. Um, so do you want to start off uh, with Mia as the opening act? Oh, o- opening act. I see what you did there because she was in a band. Yeah. Yeah, so sh- I, okay, so the Gits will be opening this show. They're the openers. Oh, uh, poor Gits, man. The opening spot's the worst one. No one's there yet. You know, you fucking. We had a show uh, Sunday. It was last Sunday. Sorry, I'm still yawning. <laughs> I woke up like fucking thirty minutes ago, guys. I took a nap. Um, goddamn anti-anxiety medication makes me drowsy after I eat. Anyway, um, we had a show last Sunday here in Jacksonville at a place called Jack Rabbits, and uh, we were the headliners. Now, normally the term headliner in the music world is a positive euphemism for you're the last band, uh, or it also could be worded as the worst spot. And we're talking local show here. Obviously, if you're the, the, the last band on a big show with thousands of people, you are the headliner, and that's who everyone's there to see. But in a local show context, the last spot is usually a shaft of some kind. It's not a good thing. But for us, in our case, it was we were the headlining act because we brought literally fucking everyone. And, I mean, we didn't bring a lot of people. It was a Sunday I think we brought out like 27 people. Um, The first band, the opening band, which I won't even say their name because it was embarrassing how they brought brought out three people because I talked to the ticket guy at the end of the night when he was paying me. And uh, it was just like this band has been around for a long time and they kind of, I kind of got the impression that they had like a chip on their shoulder in the scene. Like they thought they uh-huh. were, they thought they were like better than all the other bands because you know they were really doing it, man. Their their sound was more sure mature, sure. And, you know, and there's like three people that came to see them exactly, <laughs> and they had cut the band down to only two people, and they're using backing tracks now, which I thought was so funny because that's what we've been doing for the longest time, and we've been getting shit for it from people. Oh, why don't you have a drummer? Why don't you have this, that, and the other? You use tracks, and it's like, yeah, well the 
fans don't seem to fucking care. We're bringing out 27 people on this fucking Sunday night, and you're not bringing, you know. Anyway, so the two bands in between were from Wisconsin, so I didn't expect them to draw anything because they have no following here. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> the first band, I'm sitting there talking, and I hear this band doing sound check, and I thought it was for way later on. And then all of a sudden they said their band name and they started playing and I'm like looking around and there's no one there except uh, me and the other bands from out of town. There's not one single audience <laughs> oh member my God. in the Just venue. Nothing but crickets. Right. Uh, and it was so awkward. And like... You've been there though. I mean, yeah, kind of, but God, I think we at least had one or two per- people even at our, our worst and yeah, earliest the one person just clapping and you know yeah like we the, never the, the, we never brought zero like because the people they did the three people they did finally bring they showed up like in the middle or towards the end of their set so it was even more embarrassing and the attitude of the singer that night was like he was so uh he was being so passive aggressive on the mic in between songs he's like he's like yeah thanks everybody yeah this is great what a great place to be on a Sunday, huh? Yeah. You know, real intimate show. And I'm sitting there like, bro, who are you mad at right now? It's your fucking fault no one came out to see your band. Like, I don't know why you're throwing all this attitude at us. Like, these two bands aren't even from here, and we have people coming, but we're playing last, and you're playing first, so I can't help that. And I just thought for a band that has been around longer than us and who at one point had a following, uh, I thought he was acting really unprofessional. But um, yeah, that's anyway, that's that transitions into the, the git. So you could say he was acting like a git. <laughs> Is that a term? I don't even know. I first- Yeah, yeah. The, the term git, because uh, when I heard the name of the band, I was like, what? is a git like i'd heard it before but i didn't really know exactly what it meant it's an unpleasant or contemptible person oh yeah he was acting like a git <laughs> yeah when i when i like because i've i've seen this segment a bunch and i guess i just forgot to talk about it um it's not a bad segment at all um, no mainly because of all i the- mean the case itself is not as interesting or as intriguing as just talking about the music scene and and talking about the spectacle of seeing Joan Jett on Unsolved Mysteries and hearing Robert Stack uh, read off uh, uh, band names, including the name of the the new band uh, that the other members of the Gits uh, put together and. Share that for later, because that uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty that's, bad. That, that's got to be one of the worst uh, band names I could think of. Yeah, like I hated the band name the Gits because it's one of those like names where it's like, okay, is the G pronounced like is it the Jits or is it? The, I, it's I hate band names like that where, like, you remember that that guy Gautier that did that song, somebody that I used to know. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I, th- I, didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know that's how you pronounced his name. It was Gautier. Yeah, that shit pissed me off. I hate band names where I don't know how to fucking pronounce it, and I look stupid bringing it up in front of people, and they're like, "Huh, idiot! It's not pronounced like that. It's pronounced like this." And so this is just another one of those bands that uh, has one of those names where it's like, "Is it Jits? Is it Kits? Is it, you know?" But anyway, so this <laughs> band was fronted by Mia Zapata, and that is who we are going to be focusing on. So Mia Zapata was an up-and-coming grunge singer from the Seattle music scene, and she fronted the band uh, The Gits. She grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and she was the daughter of TV executives, so she already had some privilege going on yes. in her in her corner, much like... And so in this uh, segment, they have a lot of narration uh, where the script is set up saying that she was destined for stardom and so on and so forth. And I don't quite know if that's really the case. I mean, yes, she did have TV executives, her parents, and that was going to give her a, and her band a lot more exposure than some other bands at the time because of that connection you're in the industry but that exposure doesn't even necessarily mean though that she was going to be this big star this next big thing just because she's having her foot in the door before other bands yeah like, especially at this time because grunge music there were so many grunge bands yeah i mean especially it, it like was, in seattle i mean every yes. every band in seattle was trying to ride the wave of of uh soundgarden because they were kind of, you know, one of the first out there. And then it was like, you know, well, you had Mud Honey, and then you had, um, you know, eventually you had Nirvana, and um, then Alice in Chains later on. Um, and, and yeah, it was it, and it was also kind of a boys club, too. Um, now, just so people don't think I'm hating on the Gits because uh, they have a female singer, uh, I actually really like the band Hole um, by with yeah. Courtney I was going to mention Hole. Yeah, um, that she like Hole. I think had way more talent and potential, and I could you know. And then you have uh, I no doubt isn't really a uh, grunge band, not at all, but you know it's a female fronted band, um, and. There's a lot of counterculture sort of stuff and with her her uh, music as well. Um, I first impression from listening to the stage performance from I think it's from a movie. I think I think it's called Hype. Um, I wasn't impressed. I thought it was just a lot of screaming. Not really that. Uh, good in terms of vocals but then i listened to a couple of her tracks uh from her band the gits uh on uh youtube uh from her demo and she sounds actually pretty good i think maybe it's one of those things where she sounded way better uh on album than she did on the stage because that does happen with bands oh yeah for sure and then you have vice versa yeah, Tom DeLonge is notoriously uh, bad live. Um, well, especially back in uh, in the day because he used to have a problem with alcohol and yeah, going on stage drunk and all that. And um, mm-hmm. and you got all these like I could s- you got all these like old dinosaurs coming back and yeah, like uh, 
Vince Neil just cracks me yeah, up. Yeah, Vince- that, that whole clip of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vince Neil is famously awful now, live, and uh, I don't even know what the fuck he's singing in in that clip. It's just. Is that the one where they dub? Is that the one that where they dub different words over like what he's actually saying? Yeah, they've done that before. But if you actually listen to the real recording, it's it's just as hilarious, if not even more so, because he just sounds unintelligible. Yeah, and then you got like Paul Stanley from Kiss. Like his voice is sounding really rough nowadays. So yeah, um, but that's that's age though. Well, he probably because he used. He used so much falsetto in his voice, right? Wouldn't wouldn't that eventually like murder your strangle you know, strangle your vocal cords I mean, always, after a the while? The only songs he really did falsetto on was like I was made for loving you. Um oh, okay. he was actually back in the day he was a really good rock singer. Only till recently yeah. did his voice start kinda shit in the bed a bit, but um anyway. It happens to a lot of guys who get older and are just using their voice constantly. Right. Um now with uh, this band I can see why some people think she might have uh, had a breakout uh, because of how she was um, just a really strong presence on stage. So she had a a lot of uh, pull in that regard. And the fact that there wasn't really that many female grunge bands, like there were some, but it wasn't as common as, as the, as the, male fronted grunge bands at the time um she sounded a lot like stevie nicks a lot of people say it's like a grunge stevie nicks and i i actually think that's a pretty uh apt comparison um but the issue with the gits is from what i've been hearing it doesn't really sound the the songs don't really sound like hit songs they don't really sound like something that's really gonna stand the test of time like maybe the band might have been a flash in the pan maybe get like a a top single and like the top 40 or something once uh i don't really see it really being that long lasting of of a success uh, i mean there's a, a lot of the there's songs a lot of those hearing, bands that that like like the 90s there's a lot of those yeah. bands like like screaming trees and toad the wet mm-hmm. sprocket and um yeah soul asylum um gin blossoms to a certain degree where the, the only toad the wet sprocket song i know is one that most pe- people aren't familiar with it's called something's always wrong like that's the one that i remember because i think i i don't know what happened i think it was in like a random compilation that i that i downloaded one time and then i'm like oh that song's not too bad yeah, there's a, a lot of those nice, bands uh, that, that you know they they had their their big you know hit and then they you know they they either the label bungled the follow up yeah. or they weren't able to come up with anything that people liked as much as they did. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, who knows? Who's you know we, we can speculate. What did you think about uh, the Gits and their music? Um, I honestly only went off of what I heard on the episode. I did not do my due diligence like Mike did and look them up on YouTube. Um, I think so. Even in, even the stuff that's hurt that you hear in the episode, like there's a song near the end that actually sounds all right. And that's the thing. A lot of it just sounds all right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. And- I, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't anything that like, you know, that did anything for me, but yeah exactly that's what i'm saying it's just all right like i'm not gonna say 
bad or terrible. I mean, it, it is nice uh, to I've, I've hear heard a lot worse. It is nice to hear like an actual real song on Unsolved Mysteries as yeah. opposed to like the stock. Like if they're showing like a dance club scene, the stock ass silly music that they <laughs> yeah. play, you know, because yeah. it's like not really about the music. It's about the girl about to be murdered in the dance club. So mm-hmm. they're not so focused on making realistic club music. But it's kind of cool to have an episode where you actually get like real world music in the episode from that yeah. time period, you know, so that was neat. Um, but anyway, um, back to Mia here. Uh, she went to college in Antioch, Ohio, where she met the other members of the Gets. The band was quite successful, and a tour was being scheduled to start in the summer of 93. Unfortunately, Mia never quite reached her dreams of becoming a world-famous musician. She was found murdered in the street not far from her home on the morning of July 7, 1993. She had been beaten and strangled, laid in an almost Christ-like position, and the night, <sighs> the night before, she had gone to the Cornet Tavern, a local bar with several... Comet. Is it Comet? Oh, yeah, Comet. All right, sorry. Yeah. No, not Cornet. Uh, like the little mini trumpet, uh, Cornet. Um, <laughs> with several friends, she later left the bar and walked a block east up Pike Street to a local rehearsal studio. She then visited a friend who lived three floors up the same building. At 2 a.m., she left telling her friend that she planned to take a cab... Home. Yeah, because uh, she didn't have a driver's license. Apparently, she didn't know how to drive, so she would uh, be take she would take cabs and she would walk, and that's that's something that you don't hear very often for some front, uh, you know, the leading member of a band. Uh, don't know how to drive. Don't know, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm. I, I don't know how to drive, so that that's that that's not like it's um, an issue for me. I just thought it was interesting. Well, no, and actually, also that she yeah, felt you, safe. You, she felt safe. Well, that I mean, I think that's that was I, that was just probably like kind of naivete on her part. But I mean, the not driving thing doesn't really a lot of those a lot of those guys who are or girls who are really pursuing music hardcore, like they don't they're too broke to even afford a car like that that expense is kind of like the last thing on their mind um Uh so a lot of musicians until they actually blow up and get a successful record they will be that's when they get a car yeah yeah that's when they buy the escalade spend yeah they buy the escalade yeah yeah but yeah a lot of them are living in you know they're destitute before they become uh you know before they become successful which I mean, in a way, is where you you almost want to be, you know, because the less expenses you have to worry about, the easier it is for you just to jump in a van and be gone for two months on the road. You know, you're not really you're putting anything on hold. You all your eggs are in that one basket. You know, I I just I'm at a point now in my life where I just can't. I'm I'm not at that point. Although I I will say I did fucking pay my car off finally, so that's one. Less congratulations. Yeah, one less huge expense <laughs> I don't have to worry about every month. But anyway, um, a neighbor heard her cry out. No killer was arrested in her murder. The reenactment did a good job uh, uh, recreating that bit. Uh, whoever they had to do the scream that definitely sounded uh, 
scared, like like someone who was genuinely scared. Like it wasn't. It didn't sound like it was forced. It might have been a, a stock thing. Though. It was a Wilhelm scream. I just scream. found a stock scream. <laughs> it wasn't one of those, but you know, no, it's it, it had this, just been one of the a recording from a scream queen or something. This is what it sounded like. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> no. That's exactly what that's it sounded, sounded like. better than that. But okay. <laughs> uh, so three theories have come forward. The some think that she was murdered by a cab driver because she was said she was taking a cab home. Um, she was killed by someone while walking to her apartment or she was killed at the recording studio. Although some believe that her murder was a random act of violence. That, that's what I kind of tend to believe. Uh, others believe that she may have known her killer. Mia's body was found two miles from the recording studio and about three miles from the street where the witness heard screams. Despite a thorough search of the area, investigators found little forensic evidence. They still do not know where she was initially attacked. To help raise money to find Mia's killer, the Gits had several benefit concerts. Several famous musicians, including Kurt Cobain and Joan Jett, were part of the concerts. Also, uh, Jett also performed some of Mia's songs with the Gits for a special recording. Despite this, her case remains unsolved. And this was actually one of the last shows that Kurt Cobain played. Yeah. Because this was in 93, and I believe he died in uh, 94. So, um, and Joan Jett, uh, it's a short interview, but it, it's still fun to see uh, a, a legend like her on Unsolved Mysteries, right. a legendary show for us. And just to see, you know, the Joan Jett on the bottom, you know, with the, the font and everything. Yeah. And, and they litter, and they about, litter kind of dark too. Like, I feel like she was in this yeah. kind of shadowy, um, because, like, Unsolved Mysteries, to me, is, like, the polar opposite of, like, pop culture and music and entertainment. It's, like, real world, real life stuff, like, day to day, you know. It's like PBS. <laughs> it's almost like PBS. Like, not quite, but, you know, a similar sort of thing. Well, it's where, just, it's just know, so real. Public. Like, it's like some, some yeah. woman's driving in her car and then, you know, some truck yeah. is following her or, or a fraud with happens. A, with or, a bass. Yeah, with a, with a um, trout on on the window. <laughs> so it's like it's it's like everyday normal people. So to, so when whenever the show like intersects with like you know music celebrities or celebrities yeah. like because they did one on um Michael Landon's daughter and how she felt like he was like visiting her from the beyond the grave. The dude who was in uh what was Little it? House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie. Um, it's always we. And then they had Henry Rollins in one episode because his friend Joe Cole was murdered by mm-hmm. an unknown assailant and you know henry rollins had already been in black flag at that point and he had he was doing rollins band when they interviewed him at the time which is uh i think i liked rollins band better than black flag which is blasphemy to a lot of people but anyway um yeah apparently uh i don't know if 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 um mia had these friends in high places before she died or if it was kind of like you know, oh, one of our own has been murdered in our music scene and we need to come together. I think it's a combination of both. I think she had some friends in high places uh, before she passed away, before she was uh, killed. And um, afterwards, she got more attention from uh, the industry, from other musicians. 
Yeah. And Joan Jett, she's in her in her interview. She's she's basically just saying I want justice for Mia. Yeah, you know, with the kind of music that the band was playing, um Grunge had about a year and a half left in its gas tank before yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. Before it was going to run out cuz like 1995 was a huge like paradigm shift in the music world because you had bands like no doubt coming out and sublime and uh happier more feel-good music didn't the boy bands start to creep up again yeah backstreet boys first album came out in 96 and so the the landscape musical landscape was changing and grunge was kind of on its way out by then so um i i don't even know like how much of a career that because if you want to get in and ride the grunge wave, you have to get in by like 89 or 90. And, yeah, the, and then 90, you could really yeah. ride the wave at that point until like 93, 94 at the latest. And then after that, it was just kind of like you had to kind of reinvent yourself. It's like what yourself. happened to the hair metal uh, bands when grunge became the new thing. Yeah. Like you, it was a lot, it was a serious adjustment for a lot of them. And a lot of them just couldn't really adjust to that. And it's honestly pretty uh, hilarious uh, listening to albums from hair metal bands trying to be crunch bands. Oh, I know. Because it's so inauthentic. That's so not who they were. Like last year they were wearing hairspray and doing like high kicks in the air with their spandex. And now all of a sudden they're trying to be dark. And it's, I mean, even Kiss put out a a quote unquote grunge album. Quite right did one. And I, I was just like, Ugh. there were some good instrumentals on on the album, but I was like, what are you doing? This is not your kind of music. Or someone like uh, Dawkins, they they did a grunge. Oh and, man, you're gonna have the, to like remind me about these bands after. I see a, I yeah. see a future video coming up on my yeah. channel now. When '80s bands went grunge, <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally watched that because. I'm a big fan of Dawkins, but I'm not a fan of their grunge album. I don't, I don't really, I'm not, a, I, I really didn't care for that. Yeah. I mean, even like, so Gene Simmons really wanted Kiss to do a grunge album. And Gene was like telling Paul, he's like, he's like, you don't even understand what's hip in the music world anymore. You know, Kiss needs to do. You're gr- saying hip. Yeah. He's like, Kiss <laughs> needs to do a grunge album. And Paul Stanley's like, what do we have to be upset about? He's like, yeah, all these grunge bands did like their great first albums, but I'd like to hear what their second albums sound like once they have money and they can afford to hire shrinks and they're not depressed anymore. He's like, what? How can we? Kind of write- had a point there a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's a very With simplistic way. some of the way. grunge bands, it's a very simplistic way to look at it. It's a very simplistic it. way. Yeah, it is. Like, it's, oh, it's you're really. You're writing songs because you're upset. We'll just hire a shrink and everything will be better. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not, kind of a head up your ass statement, really. It's just kind of like an old, like a boomer way of thinking, I guess. Like, oh, just yeah. like, go to a, a, a shrink if you're feeling he bad. He might have been kidding, too, possibly. No, because he was saying that he, yeah. didn't, he didn't want Kiss to do a grunge album because he's like, what do we have to be upset about? We, you know, how, oh, I'm driving around in my Lamborghini. My life is so awful. I live in California. Ooh-hoo. He's kind of got a point, though. Yeah. Like, he's dead on with that. Didn't stop him from trying, though. In 1997, <laughs> they did, um, I forget the name of the album, but they did They did do... In the is cup- that the one that tied into the video game? No, that was uh, Psycho Circus that came out like oh, a year okay. or two later. That album was actually decent. 
in my opinion. Because they, they brought back the whole makeup and everything. Like, yeah. they brought the classic kiss look back. and So, uh... The Gitz uh, murder, uh, the murder of Mia, that was actually prof- it was actually uh, featured on America's Most Wanted, uh, Forty Eight Hours, City Confidential, and Forensic Files, and this case is actually solved. Oh wow! In two thousand one, PCR testing was done on a swab of saliva taken from a bite mark on Mia's body. As a result, the DNA profile was extracted from the saliva. The profile was then placed into CODIS, the National DNA Database. In December of 2002, almost 10 years after her murder, the DNA profile was matched to 48-year-old fisherman Jesus or Jesus uh, Mesquia. The match was made after his DNA was uploaded to CODIS following a felony conviction. In January of 2003, he was arrested in Miami and charged with Mia's murder. Mesquia was originally from Cuba, but he had been kicked out of the country because he was a felon. He had previous convictions in the United States for sexual assault and had a history of abuse towards women. Investigators do not believe that Mesquia knew Mia. However, they did learn that at the time of her murder, he lived just three blocks from where her body was found. They also learned that he had been connected to an indecent exposure and attempted kidnapping against a young woman that occurred in Seattle just a few weeks after the murder. Mesquia was extradited to Washington to stand trial. Prosecutors believe that on the night of the murder, Mesquia was driving around Seattle when he saw Mia walking alone. They believe he abducted her, took her to a deserted location. He then bit her and strangled her. Finally, he dumped her body on the deserted street near his residence. And in March of 2004, he was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to 36 years in prison. His sentence was overturned in 2005, However, a judge later reinstated his original sentence. Wow. Yeah, that's so I I guess I called it on the uh random uh random. Yeah. That sucks. Just another yeah. case of like it not being safe for women to be out alone late at night. Sadly. It's an unfortunate truth. Yep. Jesus Christ. This guy looks like fucking Mohandas Gandhi. But he's not so, he's not peaceful like Gandhi. No, not at all. He's closer to Gandhi too. <laughs> from uh we're from UHF. Yeah, but not nearly <laughs> as badass. No, not at all. The next case is the case of Dan Wilson. Uh he was last seen in Spokane, Washington. So another case that happened in the Pacific Northwest. I feel like Dan Wilson is the American equivalent to the uh got the Canadian guy who randomly drove to America and was found dead and no one knows why. Yeah. I forget his yeah. name. I know Morgan if she's yeah, listening dude. knows who exactly who we're yeah, talking Yeah, I, I don't remember that guy's name either. Sorry, Morgan. <laughs> so Dan Wilson of Spokane, Washington divorced his wife in 1986, but he remained close to their two young children visiting them often. In 1987, he suffered a nervous breakdown, which he felt was due to the pain of his divorce. And this sets things up well for ultimately what I think happened to him. He already had one mental breakdown. And when you have one mental breakdown, you are prone to having more than one. It's usually not one of those things where, oh, it happens once and then never happens again. Sometimes it happens that way. But if 
you are once again put into a stressful situation, there is a high percentage of uh, another breakdown occurring. And it might not even really be that predictable. It could just happen. Um, and this is also a early Unsolved Mysteries case. This is one I'm surprised we haven't covered yet after all this time. I guess it just never really uh, wound up on our list or it was another one of those we thought about it but then forgot about it. Yeah, because I've seen it a bunch, but I just I, I forgot to make a note of it because it's, it's, it's... Yeah, it was from season case. three. So he suffered a nervous breakdown, uh, which he felt was due to the pain of his divorce in the summer of 1988. He stated he was feeling much better and that he was off his medication. In June of 1988, Dan went to work at the ASC Machine Tool Company in Spokane. Everything seemed fine until August 24th, when for no known reason, he began yelling and arguing with his foreman. The reenactment I love the, here. I love the reenactment at the, the, for this part. This is <laughs> this is classic uh, uh, net, early unsolved mysteries. Network yeah. television, PG. Uh, you know he, he's working on this. I don't know what the fuck metal metallic machine. His boss comes mm-hmm. up. And he's like, "Hey, uh, are you almost done with that? Uh, because uh, after you're done, you can move on to the other one over there." He goes, "You know what? I'm sick of all your crap." And he's like, well, what are you talking about, man? I was just saying, no, I hear what you everyone's been saying about me around here, and I don't like it. And he even says, like, uh, I think he he doesn't say hell, he says heck in one, in one line, too. It's like, I don't give a heck. <laughs> oh, I, I just like the whole, I, I hear what you have people have been saying around here, and I don't like it. <laughs> like wow man that that is that is very impassioned it's like i hear what the heck people are saying about me and i don't like it <laughs> the acting was was pretty choice as well like it was some some uh nice early so bad it's good unsolved mysteries acting absolutely um so he yells and argues with his foreman his foreman and the plant manager were worried about him after that and decided to give him the rest of the day off. I love how, like, that's how it works. Like, instead of fire the guy, like, there's a lot of instances nowadays where it would just be like, now you're fired. Get out of here. Like, they don't have any, like, even if it was a longtime employee, they're just like, sayonara. Do companies ever actually say the phrase "you're fired"? I feel like a lot of times they just kind of like, "Oh yeah, you're no longer on the I'm schedule." I'm sorry. Um, we're gonna have to let you go. You uh, just didn't live up to our expectations. <laughs> I feel like it's like I've had that one I, I, where it's like you didn't live up to our expectations. Oh, really? That's what they said. Yes, that's what happened at Cinetopia. Jesus Christ, that's kind of uh, and I really. Yeah, it was very cold, and I did. I didn't do anything really that wrong. I got written up once, but I had stayed later when I was asked to. I did all this stuff. There was a lot of stuff going uh, wrong over there. There's a lot of stuff that just wasn't right. You had this guy who was a slacker who always showed up late. He would be eating popcorn and drinking water while he's handing out 3D glasses, <laughs> and he still had a job because he knew the manager. Oh. Uh. Slime. And it was his second job too. So he would always show up late 
because he was coming off his second job. So it was, it was kind of a bad uh, situation anyway. When I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really fit in. So I, I don't really have a lot of uh, disdain anymore. Also, Cinetopia doesn't exist. It got bought out by AMC. And then the pandemic happened, so it's a moot point yes. anyway. Exactly. So um, they have this argument. The foreman lets him have his day off. Uh, he then left work around 11 a.m. on that day, and then he disappeared and vanished. Two days later, his neighbors noticed that his sprinklers were on, so they turned them off. They did not suspect anything was wrong. I, I don't, it was two days later, I mean, since he's been missing, but maybe they don't know that he's missing. They just decided, oh, we'll just turn the sprinklers off. He was not scheduled to visit his children that weekend, so his ex-wife did not notice that he was missing. Neither did his mother, Darlene, even though she was unable to get an answer when calling his home phone that weekend. Finally, on Monday, August 29th, Dan's car was discovered in a remote area of Custer County, Montana. That's a long ways away from Washington. Oh, you know where that is. Uh, just Montana. I mean... It's not as far as uh, some other places, but I'm. It's still a long drive from Spokane to Montana. Yeah. The doors were unlocked, and the front one was ajar. His Bible was found in the passenger seat, but the keys were not in the ignition. It was determined that the car was found more than 700 miles from his house. There was no luggage in it, suggesting that he was not planning on traveling anywhere. A search of the area turned up no trace of him, which. It is intriguing considering what the update is. Yeah, really. Dan's family reported him missing and two of his cousins traveled to Montana to try and figure out what had happened to him. His cousin Glenda had visited him at his house two days before he vanished. She noticed that things were out of place in a sort of disarray and that he seemed agitated and tired for some reason. He claimed that it was just stress related to work. Before leaving, she suggested that he take some time off from work to visit his relatives in Longmont, Colorado. Just two days later, Dan would have his violent outburst. I love how they call it violent. Uh, it must have been way worse than what uh, was shown on Unsolved Mysteries. Way worse than him saying he didn't like something. Yeah, uh, and, and saying, I don't give a heck. Uh... His family believes that he did decide to go to Longmont to visit his relatives. He had made the trip there from Spokane many times before. He normally took Route 90 south past Billings, Montana to get there. But when he vanished, he apparently took Route 94 heading east of Billings. He continued 100 miles into the sparsely populated area where his car was later found. His family could not understand why he would stray off so much off course they suspected foul play. Of course they did. That that always happens. Yeah. Um, I love how in the early Unsolved Mysteries, you had the actual people, like the parents or the sister, act in the reenactments. Yes, a lot of times it was bad. Like here, like not good acting at all. <laughs> like when, they're t- when they are uh, in the car and they're supposed to act like, they smelled something uh, weird, something that was off. Well, their eyes were burning is what they were saying. Yeah, their eyes were burning, yeah. 
it's not uh, Oscar worthy or or uh, Emmy award winning acting. That's for sure. But there's a certain charm to I th- it. Yeah, I think there's charm because, to it. I like it. Yeah, because it's because you have the actual parents or the family members, and they are there and and it, and i guess it does add a little bit more authenticity when you have like the actual people in the reenactment instead of like these actors because sometimes you can have the cast members who look nothing like the real people so then it kind of when you have a scene where okay here's the actors and then they cut to the real person and then it's you kind of do a double take you don't have to worry about that when you have the actual people involved and you got the sense that they looked at it as kind of a fun thing despite like how serious it was i'm pretty sure those gals had had a had a fun time doing maybe they got a coffee mystery shoot that may that that does raise a question what kind of unsolved mystery swag did you get by being a participant in one of those scenes and did you get a, a screen actors guild card after that technically like how does that oh, how's all that work i wonder i don't know i'm thinking about one of those old school sun visors you know oh, yeah or fanny pack <laughs> um so anyway they uh suspected that it was foul play darlene knows that dan has picked up hitchhikers in the past and she believes that someone may have uh, left his car in Montana. Uh, Maybe somebody took his car. Uh, Yeah, that's an okay theory. I don't understand, like, why you would consistently pick up hitchhikers. I guess it's just a trust thing. Did you, uh, does that article ever go on to mention the whole thing about how uh, when they're, they, their eyes were burning and yeah, it all, does. all the, okay. It does. All right. A little bit later. Okay. Um, if you just, you're just burning to talk about that. Oh, one. Jesus, <laughs> Mike, the, the, the puns can't take them anymore. <laughs> so anyway, they had this theory about, uh, the car being taken by a hitchhiker. Uh, his family could not understand why he would stray so much, uh, off course. Uh, and because of all that, they determined to find out what happened to him. So, uh, they went back to his house in Spokane, finding it in even more disarray than when, uh, Glenda was there the previous week. His luggage, clothes, and an uncashed paycheck were still there. After leaving Spokane, Darlene and Glenda drove his car and began suffering from sore throats and burning sensations in their eyes. A mechanic determined that there was a carbon monoxide leak in the muffler, which explained their illnesses. And I'm like, how the fuck did Dan not know that? Like, how do you not notice that? How do you drive around in a car with a carbon monoxide leak in it for more than a day? Right? I mean, if you have the windows up and you have a fucking carbon monoxide leak, you could, like, just die that's how people kill themselves in garages they put a hose from the exhaust to the window and they die from carbon monoxide poisoning or they just uh gun the engine and just die in the car that's happened before too wow mike that's really dark and morbid that you know of various ways of offing yourself i've never heard that no it's just because of well i mean think about we've watched 
so many segments of Unsolved Mysteries. I just, so many. I figured you so watched many things about so true many, crime uh, horror movies as well. No, well, there's a little bit of that. Um, uh, but the thing that you're talking about with the, the hose, like there was uh, an, a part of the movie, I think, yeah, it was Midsummer. I didn't like Midsummer, but that was a creative way. It was pretty, it made for a really striking visual of the car and the garage and then this long tube that's snaking out of the passenger side and just the camera follows the tube all the way into this bedroom and it's just duct taped to this woman's face. Oh, geez. She killed herself that way. That's pretty morbid. Yeah, for sure. So, but they're yeah, they saying how the fuck they're saying that. It, how do you not notice that? And this is the weirdest like excuse I've ever heard for like odd behavior. One of the specialists that they interviewed was saying, uh, increased, uh, exposure or, or long instances of exposure to carbon monoxide can cause neurological, permanent neurological yeah. damage in the brain that can result in personality changes. Yeah, and they were severe suge- physical and emotional damage. Yeah, so they were suggesting that that could have been what made him essentially have like a nervous breakdown. Like maybe which is, like, the weirdest. I don't. I don't think that's what caused him to have a nervous breakdown initially, unless that leak had been there for two years or more. I mean, what a random, like, affliction, you know? Like, Also, if it burns that much when they're driving, like, how the fuck did Dan not know? I don't understand how a human being could not notice something is wrong when they're, every time they drive in their car, they, they, Feel this burning sensation on their eyes, and maybe he was in their he was, throat. He was so afraid of being called a pussy by the male mechanics that he uh, he just oh dealt with God. it. <laughs> I mean, my eyes are burning, but the guys will make fun of me if I go and complain about it. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like that—that's the thing that really puzzles me the most. Uh, how he just dealt with it for so long, like. If were, if I was in that situation, it would have been like immediate, like man, this is not allergies. This is really bad. Maybe he liked uh, it. I, 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 I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm just throwing out. Maybe he's a masochist. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe he's a masochist. He got off to it. Oh yeah, that sweet carbon monoxide burning <laughs> oh my, my eyes. Yes, <laughs> turning me on. I hope they never fix this. I'm being silly right now. Just don't mind me. I'm just being a little silly goose. So uh, the mechanic determined there was a carbon monoxide leak in the muffler. Uh, It also might have caused Dan severe physical and emotional damage. Also, if he already had a mental breakdown previously, this could really wreck him and really screw him up because then he's already had changes in his brain chemistry more than likely from one mental breakdown because a mental breakdown folks is a lot like a heart attack but it's for your brain it's not this like because i don't think it really is talked about enough in terms of how serious and how really um bad a mental breakdown is like it, it, it seems to be like oh you know whatever 
it, you know, just get over it, da 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 da. But it, it really is the brain equivalent of a heart attack. You're not going to say some, oh, you had one heart attack, or just get over it already. And there's a lot of things that can just make it worse or make it happen more often. And I think he probably had more mental breakdowns if he was exposed to this much carbon monoxide. That explains why his home was in more disarray. It explains why he flipped out on his boss at work. It explains why he was so uh, PG about his swearing or, or lack thereof. I don't know if it explains that, but no, that, no, it totally explains. That's that. that's an interesting theory. You know, so, I mean, it, any rational person would say "damn" or "ass" or "fuck," but he's yeah. like "darn" and "heck." I mean, that's that can only be that can only be carbon monoxide that would make you. It's that. a Ned Flanders disease. Yeah, that's a ne- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it can also cause changes in personality, fatigue, confusion, memory loss, and more issues. I'm like, what? <laughs> What other issues? Like every issue known to man can be caused by so carbon that's, monoxide. So that's interesting to find apparently. out. Like my whole life I haven't been fucked in the head. There's just been constant carbon monoxide poisoning around <laughs> me. Cuz like I have all those things. So that that makes me feel better. Maybe you need to get your muffler checked. <laughs> my my mind muffler, baby. My mind muffler. So Dan's family believe that he may be suffering from amnesia and that he could be somewhere in Montana. They placed missing person flyers throughout there, and in, in November of 1988, they received a response. A homeless shelter in Billings had a desk register, which showed a Dan Wilson had signed in on the night of November 12th. Darlene compared the signature with his and felt that they were very similar. After going to the shelter, two of the employees were certain that they had seen him. However, since then, there have been few leads in the case. That's just... False hope is always really sad because it's like oh he he was here yeah and look they said that he was here and then you find out later that that's not possible it happens a lot in those missing persons cases on unsolved mysteries like when someone goes missing they were always just there if you had gotten there five minutes earlier you would have caught him man but you're too a little bit too late like i feel like that happens a lot on this show yeah and the whole amnesia thing. Yeah. And sometimes it actually is the case. I think it with the guy who was the, who was uh infatuated and, and interested in uh the homeless uh in terms of the whole um I'm trying to think of like in terms of like the whole dynamic. You're talking about that, different that it is. yuppie guy who took that one yeah. dude under his wing. Yeah. And the yeah. and the dude probably ended up murdering him and stealing his shit that, yeah that, that was such a weird I, I case think, yeah i think i think he could have also wound up homeless too for a certain amount of time before he was killed um but anyway they have these theories that he had amnesia and he knew his name but he didn't remember anything else and authorities they uh, had not yet ruled out foul play, but they also suggested that uh, Dan may have voluntarily disappeared. Uh, as usual, his family doesn't believe that. He would never do that. 
And uh, the case was actually solved. In September of 1997, uh, Dan's re- remains were found approximately five miles from his car. A positive identification was made through dental records. Uh, authorities believe he may have wandered off and died of exposure. Five miles is kind of a like if we're just talking walking, like five miles is kind of like a long way away from like it is a car or whatever. It is. Um, but they said that they searched the area of the car. Wouldn't that be within the area, like five miles? Mm, I don't know. That's kind of a be like a really large radius. I'd say like maybe a mile or I guess two. It, dep- it depends on the search because there are some searches that happen, uh, especially in high profile missing persons cases where five miles, uh, they easily search five miles. Now, if he had been a cute little white girl, then it would have been a 10 mile radius search. You know what? That's actually not that far off. Sadly. Check your privilege. So, yeah, after all that buildup, after all that mystery, uh, he was never at the shelter. Uh, or maybe he was. Maybe he just then wandered off back in the woods and then conveniently his body was found five miles from his car. I doubt it, though. I think he just wandered off. I think he had another mental breakdown. And this one was so bad that he just was completely uh, not there and just wandered off into the woods or wherever the uh, area was next to his car and just died. Yeah, I think he had brain damage from too much carbon monoxide. Yeah. And that's why he just randomly wandered away. I think it's similar to that one lady who her car broke down and then she had a breakdown and then wandered off and then was found dead, I think. I don't know if they found her body or not. Yeah, I don't remember, but, but she, uh, she, shit, that's, <laughs> that lady that you're talking about, that happened to her twice. <laughs> like, yeah. not, not, not just once, but fucking two times. Like, mm-hmm. what are the chances? It just sounds like a, a, a really, it's just a, it's just a tragic story. Like, all of these stories are, are tragic when it comes to, someone who goes missing and then is found dead. Um, but just the idea that you could die and just not even know who you are and that's it. No memories, no anything. Not, you don't really carry anything with you in your last moments. You die alone, freezing, or dealing with what, all kinds of exposure and then not knowing who you are that's that's just that's honestly pretty scary if if you think about it in terms of like a way to die like uh, the update at the end of the episode they're like you know uh yeah he probably wandered into the woods uh we consider this case closed the custer county sheriff's office considers this case closed so it's Uh like don't bother us about this again he died he wandered off and died you know, whatever. Like they're just like on to the just, next thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, that's probably what happens a lot of times with with procedures or this kind of thing. Just like, just matter of fact, kind of uh, talk when it comes to police talking about cases. 
I mean, you know, you, there's there's hundreds, thousands, probably millions of cases that they deal with. True that. Well, that was the case of Dan Wilson. Uh, moving on to another uh, sad thing. We got the, the perks of being a Josh Flower. Because who doesn't want to be a Josh Flower? I think we all do. Uh, I discovered my uh, diaries when I was a teenager a few months ago, and I've been reading them on here on uh, the podcast. And uh, I have not read these since I wrote them 15-plus years ago. And you people seem to get sick joy out of my teenage pain. Um, So, yeah, we're picking up where we left off, which, uh, according to my notes here, is June 8th. 2006. Hey guys, um, just hanging out with Nikki and Chris a lot. Again, I'm seriously not going to hang out there as much though, but I do want to do something with my other friends really bad. So if you guys, psh, I mean, if Casey wants to hang out, lol, we should. Um, Chris's birthday Saturday. I'm going. We might be playing. That's cool, I guess. Um, I'm kind of getting addicted to sex. I know it's not right. Uh, that I'm doing it now, but it feels so good. Casey, I urge you not to do it, though, because it feels good and all. (laughs) But for girls especially, you can't go back. It's not worth losing now. If I could... What? If I could go back, would I? I don't think I would, but I'm sure there are people out there who have better morals than me, and I really want to get back into being a good or decent Christian. So, Josh, the nymphomaniac... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would kind of continue for the next 10 years at least. Uh, Casey actually commented on this one. Uh, She said, yeah, we'll hang out eventually, but that whole thing you said about, quote, gathering your thoughts about the whole situation, well, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just thinking, do I really want to do this or not? Because it's something that I can never go back on, and at that rate, I'm... Go, at the rate I'm going, I'm probably going to end up having sex anyway because I've been doing some pretty stupid stuff lately because it's summertime and I can feel like I can just do whatever the hell I want and get away with it. Stuff that feels right at the time and then later on you go home and you sit there and you think about it like, what did I just do? I know it's not right, but you know how it is. Should have been banging me, Casey. Why was I never good enough? Anyway. <laughs> God, she was hot. So you were addicted to love. All right, um, Tuesday, June 13th, 2006. Zanga, hmm, what have I been doing? Working and Nikki. Yep, that's it. Um, got my first paycheck the other day, $268. Not bad, but I think they're paying me under the table because I got paid in cash, and usually I get a paycheck stub. But oh well, as long as the government doesn't find out about it, I'm cool. Got a new boss super shifter pedal. It's badass. I can do dive bombs with bass now. Yes, I know that means nothing to non-music people. Um, yes, me and Nikki have done it for the fourth time. I'm gonna try to keep I'm gonna try and keep count on here. She straightened her hair and oh my gosh, it's so hot. Um, yeah, dude, there was like six cop cars right across the street from us today. They busted some dude for drugs, but I think I think, but yeah. It was crazy. They had the K9 unit out and everything. Not much to say on here. What have you been doing, Casey? Uh, and then somebody <laughs> commented this long ass thing. I'm not going to read that because that looks long and irrelevant to my life. Okay. I'm going to keep 
track yeah, I was gonna, on this page? Uh, yeah, I like, guess how I tacky keep, is that? I know. Right? Keep track of it. I guess I just was like so You're proud. Just bragging. I was so proud just of myself. bragging over here. Sunday, June 25th, 2006. I guess I'll update. Well, still working at Great Raps. I'm kind of getting depressed, though. This routine I'm in is getting kind of stale. I go to work, go to Chris's house, see Nikki, go home, wake up at, like, fucking one, go to work, go to Chris's house, go see Nikki. Me and Nikki never get to be alone, so when I see her, I should actually say I see her friends and family also, which is no good because... You can't really talk to someone, I mean a good talk, when a lot of people are around. We are still boning, and we've been going to this Whitney girl's house. Boning. (laughs) So we've still totally been boning. Uh, (laughs) That's a a term you don't hear as much anymore. Yeah, I'll still bust it out every now and then. It's just just the least, like, tactful, romantic way to say having sex. Um, women, want women a bone. yeah, women don't really like <laughs> that term uh, very much. Um, but yeah, we've still been boning, and I've been going to this Whitney girl's house and partying, which has been crazy because the other day this dude named Joe tried to hit on my girlfriend, and I almost beat his ass. So I told her we weren't going yeah, over. Sure, the, yeah, I know. Sure, uh, you yeah, did. sure. <laughs> I wasn't do, gonna do shit to that guy. I just wanted to make myself sound tough on here. Now nowadays it'd be a different story, but back then I was such a little fucking puss. Um, so I told her we weren't going over there anymore. So I got paid today, and tomorrow I'll probably go spend it. The Tool song still lingers in my head. It's not as recurrent as it used to be. Now it only surfaces when I'm at home or something reminds me of it. I'm pretty sure it's my anxiety of this time period, however long it lasts. The thing that fuels this song to be repeated in my head on occasion is the fact that going crazy is my biggest fear. I have some of the weirdest, most... Is this that Tool song again? Uh-huh, yep. That whole, Man, su- that whole that summer. that really fucked you up. Dude, it did. It was such a random fucking problem. I have the weirdest, most nonsense thoughts that would prompt a normal person to throw me in a crazy house. Seriously, I have some of the craziest thoughts about hurting people... Demons, aliens, hearing things, stupid shit. Just anything and everything evil slash weird plays out in my head when I'm not doing something. And I'll have these dreams sometimes. And in the dream, something either evil or demonic is happening. Sometimes I can't see anything per se, but I just wake up with this horrible, weird-ass feeling that I can't explain. It's just this horrible, evil feeling, and I feel that in that moment I am fucking crazy. I just don't know anymore. I know I need to get back into God, and I am, but man, for now, life is just crazy. My mind is just having a field day on me, but whatever. At least I can talk about it on here. I'm glad I'm typing all this out, because if I ever die or something, not saying I want to, or if anyone ever wants to know the shit that's been going on in my life these past two years, this is a honest-to-God record of what I've been thinking and feeling. So for now, Zanga, wish me Godspeed as I head into the frightening confusion Confusing realm known as real life. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm going to blame all that on, like, drugs and alcohol. <laughs> um, yeah. All okay. those weird feelings and thoughts and so, shit. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of uh, demonic stuff, did you hear about Little Nos X and the controversy with his Satan shoes? I heard that he put out a controversial music video, and I haven't seen it yet. No, no I haven't heard about it. Yeah, he has a controversial music video, but he also uh, put out uh, some limited edition shoes that were like red and black and had a 
Satan on them, and apparently they were marketed as having human blood. Why? Why is he going so off brand? Is he completely like just stupid? I don't know. Like seriously, like dude, I get it that it, like, and he made he did some quote about how you know, oh, you know, it's not my job to be a babysitter to your kids. It's your job to you know control what content your kids consume. I actually, I actually respect him a lot for that. Yeah, and, and I agree. It takes a lot of balls. I agree to with say that. Something like that. But at the same time, it's like you have to realize that if you want any success in this industry and, and, you know, take advice from me, little Nas X, cause I'm so successful, but no, it's like, I can see that like, it's like, dude, clearly you became huge off of this very family friendly tongue in cheek song. And you can't just go from that to like human blood in, on, on devil shoes, like in the blink of an eye, like you and given and having uh I think it's like, uh, is Satan giving him a lap dance, or he's giving Satan a lap dance? Yeah, some some of the imagery in the, in the music video. Like, you can't wake... Well, I mean, controversy definitely sells. You get a lot of attention, and I, I think... I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea in his part, because a lot of the conservative, whatever, Christian parents, not saying all of them but a fair number of them are not really the audience that's going to be going for these albums anyway. And on top of that, you have that extra bit of edge. Like, you know what happened, like what happened with, uh, when the PMRC and all those other people, uh, were trying to like ban certain metal albums and all of yeah, that. But that or, I mean, that's... or the whole thing with the lyrics and with rap music and, the gangster rap controversy, like you had sales that skyrocketed of these albums because of all of that. Yeah, well, that was that was back when it was still kind of this novel thing. People aren't nearly as shocked by any of that kind of stuff. Even par- parents, parents of today were the kids who were buying those records back then. Yeah, so they're not. Yeah. You know, my th- my thing is as an from an artist development standpoint. You either need to come out as that edgy demon guy or you came out as Old Town Road guy. And that was a choice. And that's the choice you made. And so if you're going to pivot, you have to do it very slowly. And, you know, it has to to feel organic. I think things are shifting in the landscape. So I think there's more of an opening to have these more dramatic shifts. Because whether it, it blows up in his face or not, the extra added attention, the extra um, hype, is something that he would not have gotten with his second album if he was just doing a you know safe, clean. If he did a, if it, if he album. put oh, if he put the work into it and made just a really good song, then he would have. But I, maybe I, I think. Maybe he doubts himself. Maybe he doubts himself I'm in sure. terms of I'm sure. what he's able to put out. I'm sure. I mean, and so that's... he's like, "All right, you know, I'm a young musician. I'm still trying to work out my own kinks. Uh, I had a huge hit as and as a part of my first album, and uh, I just want to do something crazy and out there. 
an experimental. I think that first hit was obviously a lark, and he didn't have like a development team behind him, like say someone like Justin Bieber, where like they were not going to allow him to fail. Like they were going to set him up to where they would, you know, have all the best writers give him because in, in that pop world, uh, the bigger the star, the the they get first dibs on the the best songs that all the yeah, writers, the ghost but writers. He's technically not a pop singer, so well, there's that. Rappers are the new pop figures now. So, like, it, yeah. Drake is going to get first dibs on whatever the hottest song is, and he's going to put his verse and lyrics over it, and that'll be a Drake song. And then, you know, whatever third or fourth rate uh, rapper out there, he's going to get the, you know, the what's the leftovers after all the big stars have picked out, you know, unless you're someone like Ed Sheeran and you literally write your own shit, which is so fucking rare in this musical landscape. But yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, I think that it's really hard for those kind of guys who get these super big yeah. singles. It's hard. It's really hard to follow and I, it up. I think that's why he's going so hard with this. I is mean, because he just wants the same amount of attention. To me, it looks like he's he throwing a hail mary. He can get that attention with a second album is to go way out there. Yeah, to me, it's like a hail mary. It's like well, let's just do something really crazy. I just find it kind of uh, crazy myself that it's a lot of the satanic panic stuff all over again. Well, I mean, remember when Vanilla Ice uh, wanted to be taken more seriously and he did that hard rock record in 97, I think. Oh my God, that album is terrible. And, where he's just going, ice, ice, baby. Yeah, and he does like a hardcore ah. remake, like rock remake in the style <laughs> of corn of Ice Ice Baby. And it was like the most corniest shit, no pun intended, uh, ever. Uh, I mean, it's it's like, man, you can like you really that those quick pivots like that where you try to be edgy out of nowhere. It's just like it never really works out. But we'll see. Maybe it'll work out for him. Um, Taylor Swift kind of tried to do that with that "Look What You Made Me Do" song, and that song just kind of came and went, and it didn't really didn't really do much for her career. But then she put out folklore this year or last year and that album fucking went to number one so she did 1984 after that i think too right no 1984 was way before um, oh that was before. Look what you made me do i forget that uh that yeah. album was off of uh or that song was off that album reputation i think i don't know anyway um <laughs> all right i will read one more here and then we'll wrap it up wednesday july 2nd or july 12th rather 2006 um so it's been like two weeks since my last post about my craziness hey zanga what's up i guess i'll update well me and nikki are pretty much over basically she would rather party all wow. the time than be <laughs> with me she's just a shitty girlfriend but yeah so i haven't talked with her yet but i'm going to i think I'm going to tell her we should just be friends and maybe later if she changes, I'll want to go back out with her. But for now, no. But yeah, I've been working out a lot more now. Uh, I've been working a lot more now, not working out. Oh, yeah. For a second there, I was like, really? Yeah, no. Um, it's getting <laughs> I mean, like, congratulations. It's getting old. <laughs> Today and tomorrow I'm off. Hopefully I can find something to do. My band Fatal Future isn't going anywhere. Chris is a sucky guitar player. I'm far, far more talented than he is. And well, Fatal Future. Yeah, that was that definitely That's a very fitting title for that band. Uh, yes, it was. 
And, well, the chase for money is a cruel winding road. Okay, well, I'm going to go. I'll see you later. Okay, now I'm curious to see what what I have to what's going on. Speaking of band names, we didn't we didn't mention the the band name uh, for uh, the former uh, members of the Gits. They're they're a band name that they came up with uh, for their uh, band after uh, what happened with uh, with Mia. It's this is just I I I could not believe I I really could not believe what I was hearing because I was like, really, like, that's the band name. And it was really funny hearing it from Robert Stack just with a straight face saying their band, uh, the dancing French liberals of 48. Ugh. Just your typical, like, 90s art house, like, grunge, hipster fucking band name. Yeah. Like, uh, Total cringe. the fucking Spin Doctors and the, you know, fucking... I would say the Spin Doctors is better yeah, than... Yeah, actually, actually... Whatever it's, the fuck it's, this is. That's, not a bad, that's <laughs> actually not a bad name. It, where would uh, this band name rank on your list of worst band names that you can remember off the top of your head I don't know if I've ever done a list of worst band names but I mean that'd be pretty fucking high up there yeah that's not bad that's not like what are some of the worst band names you can think of of bands locally locally um let's see here now I'm officially calling uh bands out (laughs) for anyone who listens to this it's just his opinion. He's not saying the band itself is bad. He's just uh shit talking about the band name. A bad band name here locally. Um, honestly, there's there's not really any that's coming to mind that are like. I mean, you kind of have like your generic ones and yeah. ones that aren't really that great. But I don't know, like. Uh-huh. There. What about uh, just off the top of your head, some of the worst band names? Uh, there was a band in Spin Magazine that they were uh, promoting a long time ago, and the band name was called Hoots and Hellmouth. First of all, any ba- <laughs> any band with the name Hoots in it can go fuck themselves. The Hooters. <laughs> um, There's a band called the Hooters. That's unfortunately. Yeah, that, oh, that's yeah, unfortunate. They, they, uh, yeah. Um. Oh, there's a lot of uh, uh, perfume genius. That's a new artist. I fucking hmm. hate that name. So perfume genius. <laughs> Are you a genius? What do you think at- about Arctic Monkeys? I'm not a fan of that name. I think I think that's kind of a dumb band name. That name's always bothered me. Yeah. Uh, uh Gus. Isn't there a band that's called like the Emancipation of something? Like it's a really long fucking band name uh, I, gus dapperton is one, a guy out now I gus fu- dapperton yeah i fucking hate that name uh Mil- dapperton yes <laughs> and gus it's like you just just go fuck yourself you little hipster <laughs> fucking douche uh milky chance is a band name Ooh. Yeah, that just sounds wrong. That that sounds like if you if you have to fart and you think it might be diarrhea and you're taking a like a milky chance on that fart. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, a lot of these new indie bands that they're playing on the college station on on Sirius XM are all pretty horrible band names. Um, 
Yeah, those are just the ones that come to mind instantly. Milky Chance. Milky Chance. Gus Dapperton. Uh, and then any any time any band takes a name and switches the first letter of the first and last name and switches them around, that pisses me off. Like t- uh, Calm Trues or uh, Ill Clinton or Gnarls oh, Barkley. Yeah, yeah that's uh, fucking Buck bad. Cherry. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that. That's that's well. So- Buck Cherry's a little bit more tolerable. Yeah, that. But I mean, it's Chuck Berry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, but but you know, it sounds like it could be like some kind of cherry, right? You know, like it actually sounds like something. That one bothers me than, the least yeah. amount, but like I'm, oh my God, like they're the, like a uh, Fjord Explorer instead of Ford Explorer. It's like a Fjord. Like, oh, oh yeah. you're so fucking clever. There are some re- man when you when you get into the, like the punk and indie bands, like there there are some really dumb. Here, I, I, so this guy I know is playing this festival here in Florida, and uh, mm-hmm. it's like this indie. Uh, I don't know what, but uh, I was reading some of the band names, and uh, yeah. I was they were they were pretty fucking stupid. I'm I'm gonna bring up his profile right now and see if I can find. Okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Uh, so we got um, Murder by Death. That's <laughs> one of the bands. Um, it, it is an oxymoron, but I uh, I've I've heard worse. There's a movie called Murder by Death, I think. It's a mystery. Let me see here. Um, I'm going to edit out the silence. You better. War on women? <laughs> like, okay. Mm. Is there some kind of political statement there? Uh, what? <laughs> that, that, that's a... I don't know about that one. Um, is that just because they just want to be as at, edgy as possible? Asshole parade. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's a good one then. You seem to like it. I don't like it. I just think it's hilarious. Night marathons. Because I'm just imagining, like, can you imagine uh, now coming to the stage? Asshole parade! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boss's Daughter is the name of one of the bands. Virginity. Come on. Virginity? Really? Debt Neglector. Uh, Can... Awake but still in bed. That one's the ugh. Randy Savages. Ugh, so oh, fucking hipster. Uh, are they all doing? Are they all dressed like Randy Savage? I mean, that would be the only way I would want to see that band. Quite frankly, it'd just be like, oh yeah, yeah. That would be. See, that would be. <laughs> that would be awesome. So this guy I know snap into a slim gym and rock. This guy I know on Facebook, uh, he himself is kind of this old guard, hipster, snobby guy. But the one thing he does do is he comes up with bands that don't exist, is what he calls it. And he made a master list recently, and the names he comes up with are pretty hilarious. So these are some bands 
that he's come up with that don't exist. Poncho Pilot and the Crucifiers, uh, <laughs> Lawn Corpse, Coma Breath, Part-Time Lumberjack, Blumpy, Prison Baby. <laughs> Blumpy. Yeah, Blumpy, with, a, with an exclamation point. Uh, Blumpy. Honey Duster, Made a Casserole, uh, Clown Hunter. <laughs> Clown Hunter. Uh, can't. <laughs> you know they're... There are going to be some people who are going to see that list and be like, dude, yeah, let's totally name our band that Blumpy. Two, <laughs> two-fisted birthday, Jelly Swan, Mail Order Husband, Tragic Wand, Daddy Want Kissy Kiss, <laughs> Make Out Horse. <laughs> Make Out Horse? The Reaper is Pregnant, okay. question mark. <laughs> like how would you just like now come to the stage the reaper is pregnant <laughs> uh, blort exclamation point blort blort b-l-o-r-t blort. oh blort yeah okay yeah he's got a shit ton of them on here though they're pretty funny that's that's funny i i think maybe asshole parade was trying to go for butthole surfers maybe yeah, and that's another dumb band name, but they're they're actually a pretty legit band, so I can't dump on them. Yeah, too they hard. got they got some decent songs. All right, I got to read some one really more cool music video. I got to read one more uh, Josh Flower because I'm seeing I'm seeing this thing with Nikki going a, a dark direction. So I'm gonna read this and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Friday, January nineteenth. Oh, now we're into two thousand and seven, y'all. So we're getting close to me graduating. Uh, January nineteenth, two thousand seven. Oh, I I graduated in oh seven as so well. So wait a second. I went from July, oh wait, I think I, okay. I went from July 2006 and I didn't put make another post until January of 2007. Damn, I actually got, I actually got a life and I did other shit. Yeah, apparently. I went like six months without writing in there. Is that a record? I get so far in the Josh Flower Diaries it is. All right. Okay, well, basically, Nikki is a drunken slut, and we have had good times, yes, but for, like, every good time we have, there are, like, so many bad times that, like, make dating her not worth it. But I miss her a lot right now. I miss all the sexual stuff we used to do, and I'm horny right now, so it would be nice to have (laughs) sex with her or a lot of other stuff, but that time is over, and I just got a jacket for now, I guess. So gay. I got a jacket? Yeah, I got a jacket. what, what, What? what were you gonna do with the jacket? No, I mean like jacking off. Oh, okay, I got a you got a jacket. It. I thought it was like I've got a jacket. <laughs> anyway, life has been okay, other than the shit Nikki has put me through. We broke up for a few days, then we had talked about getting back together. She had already been with two guys, so she's a fucking slut. And she said, "Josh, sex to me is no big deal. It's like a kiss. So whatever. Okay, but yeah. On another note." I've been working a lot, and it's a pain in the ass, but the money should be good. I mean, some days I end up working 11 or 12 hours. That's so shitty. Okay, I'm going to go now. This is, yeah. this is making I, me sad I feel thinking you. about her. I feel you, uh, past Josh, with 11, 12 hours. Um, so, it sounds like what your description of the relationship with Nikki is... Still pretty close to what a lot of your relationships are like today. 
How so? In terms of like the the it, it, a lot of it's just sex and don't really have a lot of uh, connections and some of them are Wait, a lot of you know really into. I just realized that my Zanga for some reason just went like the date was wrong because I now oh. I'm seeing my next post is from July 27 to that so I oh, okay so, so I yeah. there wasn't a skip in it okay anyway <laughs> um. Yeah, because it just sounds like similar to what you you've been already talking about with with some relationships lately. Yeah, it was so, a lot of you know they're into you know drinking or you know that kind of thing, and it's not really more than that. Um, I mean, you know, <clears throat> geez, Mike, you're I mean, bring, if you're it's an ends to a mean. If it's an ends to a mean, you know, if, if you're okay with that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Here's the thing is like, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to be in a relationship. Um, yeah. And if someone hangs out with me and they know that I don't want to be in a relationship and we end up, you know, fooling around or whatever, then, I mean, that's their choice. I make it clear, yeah. I make it clear yeah. that what I want and what I don't want. And, that's good. you know, if they I would say that's a, that's a, a, an a evolution from what it was like back then, because you were like, oh, well, just do it. And I, I'm mad that it's not more. But now you're just like, eh, it's fine. And I'm not looking for more No, And I don't think I honestly I, I don't think I've ever I mean, ever since like watching porn back in the day, I think I like exposed myself to I think I fucked my brain up in that whole regard oh, of being yeah. able to like date properly and shit um, mm-hmm. there, there, there is an interesting uh, discussion that can be had about the effects that porn can have on on uh, views of uh, sex and, and stuff like that but. yeah I mean it, it over sexualizes women and it makes you uh, as a guy I think you over sexualize you begin to over sexualize women more than you normally would if you had never yeah. watched porn Be- well I think me- media in general is is a lot like that because you don't really see a lot of normal women in the media a lot of the time it, it's the really hot good-looking girls all of that you know those are the stars so and when you're exposed to that constantly it does have that oh this is what they should look like this is how it should be and that's i think that's also why you get a lot of uh these people who wind up becoming incels is because they have this like really crazy unrealistic expectation yeah absolutely they watch yeah they watch way too much porn and they, I mean, that, that, um, oh, what's and some it? people get addicted. Like there's like addicted to porn documentaries. Uh, there's a documentary series. It's called the dark side of porn. I actually do recommend that. It's, it's, it's not fun, but, uh, it, it's an, it's an interesting watch. What was the kid's name who went on the shooting spree? The the father of all incels. I'm forgetting his uh, Elliot Rogers. Uh, Elliot Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I see. I think what happens is like you get a kid like that, and he's watching all this porn, and he's seeing all these hot women being banged by dudes, and he gets obsessed with that notion of pleasure and how he's being denied the pleasure that so many other men get to experience. 
And so he's just going out into the world assuming that every guy besides him is just fucking all these hot women and he's missing yeah. out. And he's got like all this. And if, if you've been watching nothing but porn, like that, that would be constantly in your head because it would, it's, that's all, well, at least all, and that's mostly what it is now. <laughs> like back in the 70s, though, like, I don't know if you've ever tried to watch any of that. Like Debbie Does Dallas or. Well, it's so of, hard to get a hold of that stuff. Forms. I mean, if you, I mean, I remember even yeah. like like in seventh grade, my friend uh, showed me his stepdad's uh, penthouse magazine under the bed, and it was like a whole new world, <laughs> a new fantastic point of view. <laughs> a lot oh of hairy God. snatches in those magazines. Good God. <laughs> Because, you know, yep. Playboy was the classy porno mag, because they, they mainly showed, like, the tits, but they didn't go... They, they would show vagina, but they wouldn't have the chick, like, spreading open her vagina, like, peeing into a cup <laughs> like they did in Penthouse. <laughs> like, that shit was, uh, nasty. Nasty! All right, we've, uh, grossed out enough listeners. We've scarred our, uh, listeners enough. Yeah. All right, that's the end of the podcast. I already told you about our Patreon. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to give us money, but it's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're on- I love how honest you are. Because like, it was just like, I don't know why you want to give us any money, but okay. Hey, you know, here it is. I think people appreciate the honesty. <laughs> um, we are on Facebook. Uh, join our Facebook fan group. It's Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Just search for it on the Facebook search bar. Uh, if you want to check out me and Mike, our individual YouTube channels, get a little f- flavor of what me and Mike both taste like separately. Uh, Mike's a little bit saltier. I'm a little bit uh, more bitter tasting. Um, oh, uh, okay. You put us in your mouth. Uh, anyway, um, that was gross. <laughs> oh, my God. That was gross. I, I don't mean us as in our members. I mean, like, our entire bodies. Like, we're like little... <laughs> Like if you're a giant, I shut up. Oh, it's just I'm, I'm telling myself to shut up right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, we have these YouTube channels, you see, <laughs> and uh, Mike's is YouTube.com/slash/OCPcommunications. That is YouTube.com/slash/OCPcommunications. He's a movie wizard. He does videos about uh, movies. What was the last movie or video you did, Mike? Last video I uploaded is a review of Basic Instinct. Nice. The thriller from the 90s uh, starring Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. The one that has that infamous scene that back in the day uh, when you had people had to rent tapes. Uh, it was one of the most paused, rewound, and rewatched scenes in home video history. When uh, she uncrosses her legs and you get a quick glimpse of her uh, exposed vagina. Is it exposed? Uh, I, I, yeah, it is. So, so she actually... She's not wearing anything. So, she's not wearing any underwear. So, like, you actually see a vagina on in a movie. Yeah, you do. That is... that is. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, you see that in Basic Instinct. So that's why a lot of people... Watched that and rented it quite often. There's probably a lot of Basic Instinct tapes that have uh, a lot of playback issues on the, <laughs> on that one uh, scene. That's so just fucking, tracking. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh. 
Um, all right, cool. So, I think it's more than just that scene, though. I think it's actually a legitimately good thriller. Oh, I would hope. Paul Verhoeven directed it, who uh, did RoboCop, the 1987 film. He did Total Recall, Starship Troopers. Oh, damn, he's got a lot of the classics under his belt. So, yeah, go over to Mike's channel if you want to see his review on uh, Basic Instinct and various other things. Uh, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, I do more music-related things. I'll do uh, album reviews. I'll do anything about music, music news. Um, and the last video I did is the new video for my band, Dancing With Ghosts. The song is called Dirty Oxygen, and it's a brand spanking new music video. Um, Dirty Oxygen, does that represent carbon monoxide? It... Um, well, in, in the video, funny enough, um, I play a character who uh, can't, cannot die no matter how hard I try, and one of the ways I try to kill myself is filling the uh, garage up with carbon monoxide. And So it's like your uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah, <laughs> like my character is just evil and no longer has human emotions and just wants to die but can't, and... Um, yeah, um, the actual the album cover for the uh, single is is me in the garage and Stephanie. You can see she's already dead because she did die from the carbon monoxide. And I'm just sitting there pissed because I haven't died. So yeah, go and uh, ch <laughs> check that out if you want to get put in a good mood. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's our channel or that's my channel, and uh, I think that's it. So until next time. Have a good rest of your day or week or whatever, and uh, bye. See ya.